and welcome to series three of A Coffee With, a C&D podcast where I sit down with some of pharmacy's most inspirational women to find out how they got to where they are today. I'm Emily Stern, a reporter at C&D, and in every episode, I'll be talking to a different woman in pharmacy to chat about their career highs and lows, their aspirations and fears, and everything in between. So, pour yourself a cuppa and join me for the latest instalment of A Coffee With. My guest today is Victoria Steele, Superintendent Pharmacist at Lloyd's Pharmacy and Chair of the UK's Community Pharmacy Patient Safety Group. In a pharmacy career spanning over two decades, prior to becoming Superintendent Pharmacist, Victoria was Lloyd's Pharmacy's Deputy Superintendent and Head of Clinical Governance and Professional Standards. She has also worked closely with the Company Chemist Association and the General Pharmacy School Council. So, welcome Victoria and thank you so much for joining me. No problem at all, really pleased to be here. So I want to start off by talking about how you got into pharmacy. What prompted you to study pharmacy? It's quite a straightforward scenario, actually. So I was always going to end up in some form of healthcare profession. Always. I've just always been that way inclined. Happened to really like chemistry at school. And then it was as simple as we had a great careers department at my school, which suggested pharmacy, which took a look at and then applied, as you do, to a number of universities. But I think the interesting thing with my career is, and I wouldn't recommend this, the first time that I stepped into a dispensary was the first day of my pre-reg. So I am not sure many people would get away with that anymore. And it obviously worked for me, but I don't think that's a normal route into community pharmacy. But from a point of view of clearly, I mean, I went to, to Nottingham Uni and we had significant numbers of graduates go into industry, hospital and community, and community was all I ever wanted to do. I've I've never been attracted by the hospital sector. And I think most people can tell I'm incredibly passionate about community pharmacy and the role that we play in society. So it was the best decision of my life, I would suggest. So could you give us an overview really of your career so far? Yeah, I mean, that's quite straightforward. So I qualified in 2000, which obviously is now an awfully long time ago, particularly, I imagine, to to some of the the new graduates and foundation pharmacists that are coming through, and uh, was lucky enough to be given my own branch about a year after after qualifying. Um, I did, um, which was quite unusual back then, I did uh, a clinical diploma in my first few years, so totally normal in the hospital sector, not particularly back then in community. And again, that's a real turning point in my career, I think, that really opened my eyes to everything else that was available in community pharmacy. But from that, I took my first field role uh, over in Leeds and I've worked with some amazing people. And that's when the real kind of bug around patient safety um, began. Uh, there was lots of work to do over over in Leeds and it became really apparent that I could kind of really fix basics. I could sniff out the, the risk and put some, some mitigations in place. And so it was really obvious that that was my thing. And so moved into the superintendent's office in, um, in Co-op Pharmacy, which is obviously now well um, Oh gosh, in about 2008, I think. And from then, my career has just been in the superintendent's office. All I ever wanted to be was a superintendent of a large organisation. So I wanted 
the biggest platform that I could possibly have to make the biggest difference to patients and colleagues as I could. Um, and, you know, I was lucky enough to, to meet Steve Howard, who took me down to Lloyd's. Everyone, everyone kind of knows this story. Um, and it was a great privilege uh, to take over from him just over a year ago. So clearly, I spent a lot of time learning from him and was just amazing to be able to, to take over from him. And as you can probably imagine, we're still, we're still great friends and in constant contact because taking over in the middle of a pandemic is slightly challenging. You mentioned that you've always been focused on community pharmacy. What is it about community pharmacy that you love so much? The only role that I really miss is when I was a branch-based pharmacist. So being that constant member of the community and such an important part of the fabric of society, the ability for patients just to come and talk to me about anything. I'm still in touch with some of my patients from back then that had some really critical issues. And I can still remember, you know, some of the really big interventions that I made that meant that really good diagnoses happened much quicker. That gave me such a buzz and kind of bringing it into present day. Obviously, the new hypertension service has gone live. And um, in like our first week, one of our pharmacists saw a patient that was not feeling very well, hadn't been able to get in to see the GP, took her in, took her blood pressure uh, and and asked for her to go straight to A&E. She went to A&E and she was admitted immediately and had a pacemaker fitted that night. And we get case studies that maybe maybe aren't quite as dramatic as that, but we get them on a weekly basis. And you know, it's really difficult to put a price on that sort of, of intervention. That's what I really, really miss from being frontline. And clearly, I've not been frontline for absolutely donkey's ages. But just being that constant in a community and also being able to have just fantastic relationships with my GPs and things that I could just refer somebody in really easily. And clearly, my experience is now well out of date with with what our current pharmacists have done, particularly through COVID. But, But watching them all and speaking with them about their experiences through COVID and how they obviously, as you know, kept the doors open uh, and made sure that they've looked after their patients, just, just extraordinary. So when you became the the first female superintendent pharmacist at Lloyd's Pharmacy, what did that really mean to you? I am still incredibly proud of it, but... I suppose my point is, is that I became the superintendent because I was the right and best person for the job. So that's number one. So I feel very strongly about that. I'm really proud to be the first female because of what it means for other women coming up in the industry about what is achievable and and attainable. So that gives me a, a great deal of pride I still find it really interesting how proud my friends are and my family are of what I've achieved. So one of my oldest friends is a maths teacher and I met her a few months ago and she said, um, I still Google you and show my students what you've achieved. <laughs> that's just well, that's that's so crazy. <laughs> but she's obviously a maths teacher, so uh, really interested in inspiring, particularly her female students. So those sorts of things still give me a really good feeling. But 
as I've said before, it's been a very interesting and challenging 12 months. So I've kind of forgotten that I'm the first female superintendent and I'm just getting on with the job. What what have you found really are the immediate priorities in your role currently? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of things for me. So clearly workforce is a worry for, for a number of reasons. So, you know, it's been a long two years. We've got tired colleagues that, you know, just keep going. And that's the same across healthcare. That's not me saying community pharmacy is is any different in that respect. So it's been a really long two years. So we do need to get back to some sort of normality. You add into that that for a number of reasons, community pharmacy doesn't seem to be the career of choice at the minute for pharmacists. So clearly lots of options, which is great. But, you know, with pharmacists going off to PCN roles, health boards, etc. Clearly, for the last two years, we've done a significant focus on COVID vaccinations. So you don't get to vaccinate millions of people without a significant workforce behind it. So that worries me twofold. So we've not got enough pharmacists coming in to particular community pharmacy. And also, what do we need to do? to make community pharmacy a, a real career of choice, like absolutely like it was for me. There was no other choice um, and it was absolutely the right choice. And still now, you know, we've got a significant number of outpatient dispensing units, which I visit regularly and I, and I, and I watch the teams working and the, the, the clinical level of what they do. Uh, and I'm fascinated, but I know that my heart is, is community pharmacy. Obviously, particularly workforce is a real hot topic of discussion at the moment. But with both, what do you feel is the best way to tackle the issue? Oh, that's a, it's a, it's a really good question. So whilst I know people are, are talking uh, about, these, about these things, I don't think they're moving forward quick enough. So, so things like, I think there should be a much easier route to portfolio careers and working across organisations, which brings all sorts of employment issues with it. But I believe that you need significant community pharmacy experience to go off to other roles. And lots of people are going with no community pharmacy experience. So being able to do joint roles and work across organisations would be significantly helpful. Clearly, we are in a really mad cycle at the minute of what is happening. So people are tired and considering their options. There are some very interesting and different options out there. They had vaccinations commencing, which then opens everyone's eyes to all sorts of other options. There is, uh, you know, there are people that are choosing to, to retire early because the last two years has been so hard, whereas naturally those people would stay with us and do shorter days or some weekend shifts and 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 they're not they're not staying and doing that um you then have the knock-on effect from a market forces point of view clearly then locum rates go through the roof which we've we've seen over the last couple of years which you know market forces are market forces you know nobody can disagree with that but they are at extraordinary levels and I worry what that is going to do, what impact that is going to have on community pharmacy in, in the longer term. You have a very high profile within community pharmacy and I understand 
last year there were some challenging moments with things like uh, backlash based particularly on social media how do you you deal with with that kind of backlash maybe i was a little bit naive about um what was about to happen so it was particularly challenging back then and upsetting as well so from a point of view of uh, i'm very well aware people have very different opinions and um, i'm really open to hearing those and understanding what's happening on the, on the front line because I, I need many routes to tell me what's what is happening so you know i've got a pharmacist listening group i chair rpdau meetings i chair those with the with the representatives but i need to know via as many routes as possible but equally i need that to be done as professionally as possible um you know nobody gets up in the morning to do a bad job at all everyone is getting up in the middle of a pandemic just uh trying to to keep going and um it really got pretty toxic and and I worry that one of my coping mechanisms was that I just stopped looking at it all. Uh, and I think that's wrong because somebody like me should have a voice on social media and should have a profile. And I take my responsibilities as a role model incredibly seriously. So whilst I've been pretty quiet uh, on social media since, I really want to get get back out there and want to to open those channels again but yeah it was quite an interesting summer last <laughs> summer when you do i guess post more again or so you get back on social media more how do you think you'll you'll tackle it now um, knowing what you do about how what happened last year well i will definitely put some sort of barriers around it as well because they've got they got one point where i would pick the first thing i'd do in the morning was as i got up was pick my phone up and have a look what had been going on overnight. Uh, and it just sets your day up completely incorrectly. And that's, you know, a small handful of unprofessional people really shouldn't do that to my day. I've got, um, you know, really very serious things to be tackling. So, so it will just be me putting some personal barriers around it. And I'm supported massively at Lloyd's Pharmacy. So our public affairs team and communications teams are really supportive. So I'm not worried about that at all, but I definitely had to step away for a bit. Do you have any tips then for pharmacists or community pharmacists who are rising up through the ranks or who are in that same spotlight? Well, it's really interesting. So I um, was just chatting to Thorin the other day, so chair of the English Pharmacy Board, we were just having an interesting chat about exactly that and how we could support each other, really. So you've not got to take it. It's, it's really challenging because you do have to take all the great stuff that comes with social media. And, you know, there was lots of very lovely positivity when I became the superintendent, when I became the chair of the patient safety group. There's great stuff there. So I can't take all of that and then just ignore the toxic stuff. But you do need to, as I said, I really do want to hear stories and what is going on so that I can do something about it. But it's just making sure that you've got a measured approach to kind of both the good and the bad. Would you say that has been one of the biggest challenges of your career so far or, or what has, if not what has been the biggest challenge? So probably not. I think that was one that maybe, as I said, I think I was probably a bit naive to, I think. And incredibly excited to have achieved, you know, such a big career goal, etc. So that one just probably surprised me. 
So there's no doubt in my mind that when I moved into the senior leadership team, when I became deputy superintendent, so so you're then moving into an arena which is not got many pharmacists in it. It's mainly male dominated. And I definitely had to change my style significantly because suddenly I'm with an audience, you know, very clever bunch of mainly chaps back then who didn't necessarily have my area of expertise. And so having to explain why we could or couldn't do things and just getting messages across differently was definitely, I really had to work quite hard at that point. Now, luckily, I think I'm known for kind of my openness and honesty and transparency and that did really help. And and I asked for a lot of help as well as to how, if I wasn't communicating things well, how could I do it differently? But that definitely was the biggest learning curve, I would suggest. So that's a, gosh, that's a good few years ago now. That's eight or nine years ago, I'd say. So would you say that, again, is one of the biggest challenges you face as a woman in pharmacy? I've been reflecting on this for the last few days because I'm clearly knowing that this would be one of the questions. I have to say, I think from a gender point of view, I would suggest that was my hardest challenge. And simply because I had to adapt. I, I had to adapt to the environment and I hope I did and have, but it took a bit of time. So what would you say then has been, on the flip side then, some of your career highlights or highs? Oh, there's, um, yeah, I've probably already just touched on on a number of them. So um, definitely, and I feel like I'm going quite a way back in my, my career, but when I moved over to Leeds uh, for the for my first field role, that that is definitely a real turning point in my career. Um, so that's still, and was one of the happiest times uh, of, of my life. So that was just brilliant. So becoming deputy superintendent was a great honour and then taking over from Steve. So I, I took over from Steve in the December of 2020. And then as my fabulous friend, mentor, uh, colleague, Janice Perkins, uh, retired. Clearly then the, the chair of the patient safety group uh, position came up. So, so to then become the chair of the community pharmacy patient safety group and all that it stands for and um, how highly it's regarded. Um, I found, I found the last, that, that 12 months. So December, 2020, September 21, I took over from Janice. Uh, so within, within a 12 month period, two of the biggest things that I could have ever wished for, uh, suddenly um, I was in post. So, yeah, I really did have to stop and, and kind of reflect because sometimes people just keep going, don't they? And I had to really reflect that I, I had actually got to where I wanted to and now is the, now is the time to, to make the difference and to put my stamp on, on everything. So as chair now, what does that involve? What has that involved so far? Yeah, so I mean, I don't know how many people will know because the patient safety alert that was that came out in 2015 meant that um, all community pharmacies that had over 50 stores had to have a medication safety officer. We decided as a, as a group that we wanted, uh, well, we decided as a collective that we wanted to make a group. And that's how we were going to discharge our responsibility around 
sharing, learning, moving the patient safety agenda forward. And so that is what we did. And that is what um, mainly under the utter guidance and strength of Janice did we pull that group together. And we have met monthly or bi-monthly since then. And it is the most fantastic collaborative meeting that I've ever been to. So these are significant commercial organisations that leave all of that commercial and competitive organisations that leave it all at the door. And then we come in and all we want to talk about is patient safety, how we can move the agenda forward. Clearly, if one of us has got quite a challenging situation and they've had significant learnings from it, those will be shared as well. We do significant amounts of training together. So things like safeguarding, etc. cetera, we, we will get together and have all of that. Um, but the thing that um, there's, there's a couple of things that have happened. Um, uh, so in, in the last year or so, we've kind of expanded our terms of reference because it's not just about community pharmacy and bricks and mortar. There's lots of, there's lots of other really interesting avenues that, that are open and would be really helpful for us to understand better and learn better. So a really good example of that is online pharmacy doesn't kind of fit in the criteria. However, we've got a member in Phil Day from Pharmacy to You. He brings a, a level of expertise and his knowledge of automation and the different risks that he sees to us. He brings a really fascinating insight into the group. So the group has expanded over the years and the fact that people are so keen to, to a join us, but also to come and, and talk to us and either get guidance on, on what they are producing kind of across healthcare really is just fascinating. But we had our um we had our monthly meeting this this week and the thing that I'm really excited about at the minute is that we're really starting to make some really great way forward with schools of pharmacy because we really want to help support the curriculum in pharmacy schools around the patient safety agenda so that anything we can do to help and go and give some real life experience of the group but also in our roles because we're virtually all in superintendents offices or or things like that so the the actual real life experience we can bring to those students at such an early stage is fantastic so we're all going, and obviously in a world where things are virtual, it's much easier for us to be able to either record things for the students or go and see them or whatever. So some really, really interesting and exciting ways forward happening with the schools of pharmacy, which I'm super excited about because it also helps my desire to be a role model and for all of us to be role models for the next generation. It helps to raise the profile of community pharmacy in schools of pharmacy, which I think is just um, critical at the minute. So yeah, really, really excited about that. I was going to ask really what you're, you're hoping to achieve in the role, but you, you really answered that. Is it some pharmacy schools, are they your main focus and what you're hoping to achieve as chair? We've got a number of focuses. That's the one that I'm, I'm just incredibly excited about. We, we clearly want to prioritise uh, our external stakeholders and, and really move forward any patient safety issues or, or concerns that we have. Um, but from a point of view of the, the pharmacy schools is one of our more recent additions to our priorities. And we really do seem to be getting some really exciting uh 
traction on it, which is which is fabulous. I've always been interested really in uh, patient safety issues as throughout your career. Why has that been so important to you? Um, so, I mean, it, it goes right back to my Leeds days where I, I kind of recognised that I could, you know, fix basics, solve problems, identify risk. So that's definitely where it started. What I find now is because just by the general nature of the role, you do tend to be at the 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 sharp end of when things are going wrong. There's the there's the fabulous opportunities to learn and put things right, but we spend a lot of time in in quite a, a painful area. So particularly for you know, patients or representatives, if things have gone wrong, but it also pharmacists, people tend to, I don't know if they tend to forget or just not think about the impact of any errors or issues on a pharmacist in the immediacy as, as things have, have maybe come to light, but equally more long-term impact on their actual career. So, so the ability to be able to look after a patient or their representative or a pharmacist at what will be the most painful point of their career is actually a real privilege and can actually be, a, again, a real, you can see it becoming a real turning point in their career, which once they've worked through what's happened, um, my hope is that it makes them I don't know a better pharmacist is the right term, but they certainly gives them a different view of the world. Um, and as I said, it's it's actually a real privilege to look after somebody in that sort of difficult situation that also will be will be dealing with all sorts of internal emotions. So unless kind of you've done it, you probably can't necessarily comprehend how rewarding that is. They, these people have, have decided to be pharmacists at a really young age and they have dedicated their careers to other people. So to be able to look after them at, at a moment of worry, as I said, it's really rewarding. You mentioned Pharmacy to You is sort of now within sort of the patient safety group and sort of the work they've done. Is online pharmacy then a, a big focus of the, the group? So I don't know a big focus is the, is the right word. There's a number of us that have also got online pharmacies so it's also very helpful um phil's a really really supportive member of the the group with some fantastic ideas and still very much focused and on the ground as well with his his team so um it's 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 interesting because you know as i said a number of us have got online pharmacies a number haven't um i'm very firmly of the view that there is a place for both in our world, there is a significant number of patients that don't need lots of monthly care and interventions. They know they need their medication regularly and they are perfectly fine. And in a world of bricks and mortar, need to be doing more services to be able to release some GP capacity, you know, some fantastic funded services like the hypertension service that I've talked about. But equally, you know, we need to give bricks and mortar community pharmacies and breathing space as well. So clearly, as you'll know, when we've got Lloyd's Pharmacy and Lloyd's Direct, and we have moved an awful lot of patients over to to Lloyd's Direct, um, and, you know, they are being looked after absolutely brilliantly. 
But equally, we're really lucky because if they do need any face-to-face um, pharmacist support, we're, we're, it's very easy for us in our omni-channel setting to be able to direct them back into to bricks and mortar. So I do feel that we've got this really unique offering but um, I have also just the utter convenience for a certain demographic of society. I believe there's a real balancing point between online and bricks and mortar. Absolutely. I guess looking back at your, your career then, what piece of advice do you wish you'd been given at the start of your career in pharmacy? So I think just on a, uh, this is, this is very personal to me because I'm, I'm clearly very passionate about my topic and there's a real balance between passion about a topic and it running into emotion. So certainly as I've got older, I've really had to step back and really put myself in other people's shoes to try and understand kind of the view from their world. And that took a while, actually. And if actually very early on, I had maybe just just kept my mouth shut and not bowled into to so many situations, I may have been a little bit more successful a little bit earlier, maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know. But it's a real balance, isn't it, when you're really passionate about something and being able to convey that without uh, getting over emotional about things is interesting. Definitely. Who is a woman then in pharmacy uh, that you particularly admire and why? Oh, so there's um, there's a lot of women across the industry that I really admire. And I'm really grateful that I feel that kind of across the NHS, RPS, GPHC, there's, there's now women everywhere that you can really look to and admire. But again, there's no secret with me. Um, I've already mentioned there is no doubt that Janice Perkins has been an absolute guiding light in my in my career and I would also say on on a personal level as well so she gave me my first branch back in 2001 and she still is um, a constant source of of advice for me now so there's no doubt that I think anybody would be able to answer that question for me by now what do you feel needs to happen there for for women or to make pharmacy a better or more rewarding career for women? There's so many positives for women in pharmacy. There's no doubt about that, particularly at branch level. So it's as if you choose to come out of that and take a slightly different career path, then that is always interesting. Whichever way you look at this, and this may not be the most popular opinion, once families are involved, we are still in a world where the women are the biggest caregivers. So we've got a system in recruitment called Work Your Way so that we can hopefully be able to tailor what our um, offering is to anybody, but um, mainly it's to be able to support women either coming into the industry, but also to to encourage them to stay um, with us once they do have children. Certainly. I um, We published the results of our, our salary survey uh, earlier this month than last month, and we found the average male pharmacist branch manager is paid £4,000 more than me uh, than a female in the same role. So I, I guess this would be around sort of women going back to work after children that really plays has a massive impact sort of on that how 
I guess is, is uh, you and Lloyd's pharmacy helping to sort of to help that? Yeah, so gender pay gap is a is a topic that's very close to my heart. There's no doubt about that. However, um, our pay brackets, they're not based on that, as you would imagine. They are more based on some of the usual things around the, the busyness of the pharmacy. So what, uh, what we would expect the pharmacy to be delivering, but equally things like location and rurality, uh, hard to, to fill vacancies, etc. That's what makes the difference with us. Um, it's not anything to do with, with gender. Um, I mean, really interestingly, I find it fascinating when I talk to I talk to a number of industries and they simply they simply don't recognise the gender pay gap at all because it does not exist. So in the army, in the NHS, it, it just doesn't exist. But clearly there is still work to be done. But I'm really confident that we're making really great strides towards solving that. But these things, unfortunately, do take time. But um, yeah, we're making some great strides uh, in that arena. My, my final question really was around International Women's Day next week and the, the theme for this year is break the bias. So uh, what will you be doing to help break the bias over the next year? Something that's again really quite close to my heart is, is inequalities in healthcare. Um, and we did some work throughout COVID about how um, access to healthcare for females um, has really declined during COVID, which um, obviously then means that there are much poorer outcomes for women, which is which is clearly unhelpful and not wanted. And, and some of that is because it's just become so much harder to access um, healthcare um, whilst we were through lockdown, etc. And women not putting the, their needs kind of first. Um, so I did a huge campaign around encouraging women to um, go and see the pharmacist, to go and see their community pharmacist about um any symptoms that they might be having because from our research it showed that that women wouldn't necessarily go into pharmacy they would normally speak to their friends etc and then go to the doctors so trying to remind them of the accessibility of community pharmacy near everybody's home. That was Victoria Steele the first female superintendent pharmacist in Lloyd's Pharmacy's history and the chair of the UK's community pharmacy patient safety group. We spoke about why patient safety issues are so important to Victoria, how she navigates backlash on social media, and what she considers the biggest challenges facing Lloyd's Pharmacy are currently. For more news and updates on CND's Women in Pharmacy group, please visit the CND community via our website, chemistandruggist.co.uk. Thank you for listening.